Welcome back to another glorious episode of A Spirited Debate. The crew have dusted off the glasses, dropped in some ice, and pulled the corks, and we are ready, as always, to pour a few drinks and find a way to rattle each other's cages. Follow if that's your thing, like if you want. Fuck it, we're just happy you're listening, and that's all that matters to us. So as our sound guy cues up the music, grab yourself a drink, sit back, relax, and join us for... Just skip over. I'm trying to contribute to the discussion. It would be wrong. They would absolutely be wrong. If you thought that our debates were going to be any different, then jokes on you. I thought you'd get better. And you guys came with the same shit. We are on our way. I'm I'm double fisting, actually. Um, So I thought that was on Friday night. Dad always says you never get better by playing people worse than you. It ain't going to so, take somebody long to get bingo so, here. Hey, let's go ahead and unwrap this present <laughs> so, uh, and let the I, debate begin. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of all ages, welcome back to another episode of A Spirited Debate. We got a hot one here. Part two, last week we started with uh, the discussion about legalizing marijuana, went through some some of the issues in terms of legalization, decriminalization why it's a good idea to just go ahead and legalize it. So this week, we're going to just kind of start there, move forward with the conversation, uh, discuss, you know, criminal uh, activity related to to drugs. Uh, One of the things I wanted to get into was the definition of schedule of drugs, schedules one, two, three, and so forth, why marijuana is sitting as a schedule one narcotic, and just discuss some of the foundations of that and hopefully move the conversation along in terms of the legalization and decriminalization of marijuana. But before we do that, as always, we're going to jump into our drinks. As we have done the last few weeks, uh, we have been picking a single drink for the group. All of us have been trying that single drink and giving our feedback. So this week is no different. We, we went around the room. Mac was gracious enough to send out a drink this week that we all get to try. And so I'm going to let Mac jump in here for the drink portion and describe the drink he chose, why he chose it. And then we'll go around the room and discuss our feelings. So Mac, welcome to the show. Uh, Go ahead and let the listeners know what you chose. All right. So, you know, I've got a really good backstory for this uh, drink that I chose. And it's that I had a shit ton of tequila that I wanted to try. So I needed a tequila drink. Okay. Um, It's a margarita. It's not a margarita. You would have thought that it would have been a margarita, but it's not. It would probably be maybe Margarita's cousin. Um, It's the Paloma. So it is made with grapefruit juice, lime juice, a little bit of sugar, and club soda. And then either you can use tequila or mezcal, uh, depending on what your your taste is. Uh, Again, I had, you know, bought the uh, very large bottle of Kirkland brand tequila and wanted to try it so i went just with the straight silver tequila um did a double portion uh salted the rim as you know any good person should and threw a little grapefruit wedge on there um i don't know that i would make it again um you know it, it sounded really good in theory with the grapefruit juice you know and you'd be happy to know it is fresh squeezed grapefruit juice i cut my own grapefruit juice grapefruit in half and squeeze the juice myself, um, as well as the lime juice. That's beautiful. So, um, yeah, I asked you this week. I was like, I didn't realize you were a grapefruit juice fan or a grapefruit fan, as because it surprised um, me you chose this. Yeah, apparently I'm not. <laughs> so, uh, and yet here, here well, we are. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> yeah. It, it sounded that. really good in theory. It's not. No, hey. 
it's not bad, right? I mean, I would, you know, I'm, I'll drink the whole thing and I'll be happy with it. But yeah, it's not something that I would necessarily probably make again with the grapefruit juice. Okay. Hey, look, you yeah, have tequila. Screw all you guys. Enjoy. You, you have tequila. <laughs> you want a tequila drink. You and I discussed this. Grinch, you are not here for our 50th episode, but it is something that I thought about. You know, as many episodes as we've done here, drinking in every episode and, and the different drinks that we've had, you know, part of it was like, hey, coming up with a drink nobody's had before for this type of segment so that we can all try and give honest feedback about it. And so far, I've been happy. You know, Grinch did the Corona Sunrise. We had never had that. I did the John Collins. Nobody had had that. You choosing this drink as much as a surprise as it was, I was glad it wasn't something we'd already had because it allowed us to continue I mean, to expand. So yeah, I, was, I think that's always been part of the the plan here is to kind of try new things and, you know, go outside of your wheelhouse, maybe right. to, to try some different things. And hey, let's be honest. Some of them are going to be great and some of them are going to be, you know, just Garbage. downright terrible. They, they can't all be boulevardiers. No, they cannot. No, they can't <laughs> they all cannot. be. You know, hey, buddy. You better watch out. You don't know what I have picked for next week. <laughs> oh, shit. This uh, is true. I'm out next week. Okay. Uh, all right. So, Mac, the, the Paloma, thank you for the drink. But let's move around the room. So, you did the Kirkland's tequila. Yep. The rest of the recipe is exactly as it should be. It's exactly as it should be. Um, I doubled it from the recipe I sent. So, okay. you know, half a cup of tequila, which, you know, as I was pouring it, Seems like maybe I had a problem, but I'm okay with that. I hear you. That's okay. That's <laughs> when okay. you start measuring your uh, your liquor in cups, um, it gets a little worrisome. Right. But no, longer okay, you know. no longer ounces. No longer ounces. Now you're just going no, straight. It's not cups. ounces. It's you know, it's cups at this point. So gotcha. Uh, okay. Well, I- I'm going to go next. And, Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say the worst part was is you know I poured out half a cup. And I feel like I didn't even make a dent in the bottle yet. I was like, holy shit. Well, then you've you've got some other drinks that you're going to have to drink with that. So just be aware. Oh, it'll come around again. All right. So I I also, when you sent out this drink, I also am am not a huge grapefruit fan. And that's why I was surprised when you were like, hey, you know, this is the drink. And I'm like, awesome. Yay. Grapefruit. (laughs) But I thought I I knew you were going to use tequila. Uh, as was my assumption because I knew you had bought the Kirkland. So I decided to go with Mezcal just to give us a different approach. Sure. So I, I did the exact same recipe you did. I just subbed out the mezcal, made a double batch, half cup of mezcal. Uh, I maybe should have gone with tequila because the you know the the dirty wet band aid flavor, <laughs> unfortunately, is not masked by the grapefruit juice. Not a huge grapefruit juice fan. It is a little tart. I did put a little extra sugar, and I did not salt the rim because, like margaritas, I don't do that. Um, it's not bad, but it's definitely not something I will be returning to probably ever i well and I, w- I would be interested to see if you tried it with you know straight tequila instead of the mezcal because apparently i think we must be buying the wrong mezcal <laughs> because people swear by it and yet you know we seem people to get- swear by coconut water and that shit sucks <laughs> it's all a matter of perspective right okay fair so, enough so you had tequila as you said you know it was okay but it's not something that you would probably tap into again i did the mezcal not a bad drink, but definitely not something I'll probably return to. So obviously those two variations. Grinch, what did you choose or, or what did you do? Uh, I pretty much stuck with the recipe as is. I mean, I didn't squeeze fresh grapefruit, but um, it's a fresh lime, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I just followed the recipe and then I used, I had to go grab the bottle. I, I was pretty sure I knew the name. I want to be sure. I'd never had it before. It's just Trace Agaves. You know, okay. It's an organic tequila for whatever gotcha. that means. 
I did not go with fresh squeezed grapefruit yeah, I was juice. Ask. Mainly okay. because I just don't like grapefruit. And so I don't keep it in the house. And I actually tried to get some and couldn't, or I would have. So I just bought grapefruit juice, just all natural grapefruit juice, no sugar added, you know. Um, but I did have fresh lime, so I did squeeze that. But my grapefruit juice, unlike you, and I apologize for letting you down, mine is not fresh squeezed. Uh, Grinch, yours is also not fresh squeezed, I assume. You, you went with just regular grapefruit juice. Yep. Okay. And your thoughts? Uh, I mean, for me, I, I mean, I think, I think it's fine. I think it's an easy drink. I'm not completely opposed to grapefruit juice. I mean, I couldn't even tell you the last time I've had it, that said. <laughs> uh, but... I mean, it's fine. It's going down pretty easy. And maybe, and maybe that's the the problem I have with it right now. I think on a really hot day, it would be a better drink. I believe, um, you know, the weather actually turned pretty cold here this the past couple of days. Um, so maybe, maybe that's you know maybe it's it's a mindset kind of drink. You know, it's really hot outside. You know, a lot of ice down on the, the beach. Sitting like, in yeah, the, down on the beach under the umbrella. You know, because there because there are drinks that I think you know fit a certain specific time. Right. Yeah, and I think it's one of those drinks you easily you easily can tinker with the juice. Oh yeah. You know whether it's a little more orange or you like right. you know whatever whatever your yeah. preferred juice is. I think that instantly becomes like oh. Right. The only thing you might have to be careful with is the fact that the sugar is meant to counteract the tartness of the grapefruit. Right. So you wouldn't want to suddenly have too sweet of a drink. Well, and again, I did add a little more sugar because mine was no sugar added to the juice and it was a little tart. So I was like, I'm just going to put a little more sugar in. But uh, all right. Uh, and so we'll finish with you, Haas. I know you're a, a lover of grapefruits. Um, so I'm curious to see how you felt about this drink. Well, that and depends. I, and, and is the grapefruit like big know, enough to like cut, cut a hole out and put it in the microwave for 30 seconds? Well, it's not like your cantaloupes, but it's oh, close. Okay. Uh, and did you use the app? To, did you check the app to see? I did. Okay. I did okay. actually. I did not use Mac's uh, recipe. I used uh, the Cocktail Flow app uh, for the Paloma, which was in there. Um, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, origin is Mexico around 1950 and the source was the essential cocktail book. So yeah, it was one of theirs. Um, I, like you went with the Mezcal, uh, the Mezcal Vago Mac that you sent. Cause I wanted to, well, a couple of reasons. One, I've not had a chance to use the Mezcal again. So it was an, it was a good excuse to use the Mezcal in tandem with that. The only tequila I have in the house is, Don Julio Blanco, and I was not going to waste that. Yeah. Uh, I was not going to waste that with um, with grapefruit juice because I'm not Makes a fan sense. of grapefruit juice. So I, I was fairly confident that I would I would only make a single count and I'd be done with it. But the truth of the matter is, I didn't make a four count. Um, and um, not to my surprise, this drink is exactly how I like my women tart and bitter. Um, you know, it is so gross. Um, I'm powering through it. Um, because, you know, I got a lot of love for Big Mac and his love for all things tequila and mezcal related. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm giving it the good old college try, but um, don't think I'll be going back to this one anytime soon. And yeah, it's a swing and a miss. It, it, it is interesting. Uh, I just glanced at this. Um, it is the most popular tequila based cocktail in Mexico. Yeah, they said I, I was reading that. They say it's actually more popular than, you know, most people think it's the margarita, but I yeah. think that's probably actually more of an American thing than, uh, it, you know, Mexico. So and some believe that it was named after La Paloma, the dove, the popular folk, folk song composed in the early 1860s. Well, there you go. Look at that. I just, you educated me. I, I feel like that's thing. probably going to be a classic. 
You know, it's weird is, is when I initially drink it, I don't like it because it's so bitter and so tart. But then after a couple of minutes, I'm like, man, that actually didn't taste so bad. And I'll drink it again. And then it tastes bitter and tart again. And I don't like it. But then like, a minute goes by and I'm like, you know, that really wasn't. I'm like, it's horrible. It's like it's that internal wrestle you have. The, with yourself. the only analogy I can think of is when you scratch something, and you smell and you're like, and you keep scratching and What's this? Like, is that know, my ass? The, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> well, let me let me ch- let me ch- test that again. Um, okay, Hoss, would it have been better with tequila? Yeah, I, I you know, you pose a great question. Um, and, and Matt brings a good point about that. I don't know. Um, I suppose if I can find a mixing tequila, I'll try it again, uh, just to be fair to the recipe. Um, but as it stands right now. I'm not excited about that endeavor. Okay. Look, if the recipe had said tequila, I'd have used tequila, but it gave us the option. And like I said, I knew people were going to use tequila. So I just wanted to try different options, which is why I went with a mezcal. So, I mean, look, if you like tart and bitter, I I think this is right up certain people's alleyways. Okay. Well, the Corona sunrise seemed to be a home run. Everybody liked it. The John Collins, everybody seemed to like it. So what are we saying on this one? Fuck you guys. No, I'm, I'm asking. I'm just, look, <laughs> I'll drink it again. I'll yeah, like it. I, again, I would probably drink it again. It's just not something that I would go to all the time. Right. Uh, yeah, I think I would drink it again. But yeah, it's not something I would seek out. I wouldn't yeah. walk into a bar and be like, I'll take a Paloma, please. I mean, if someone's making that. it with quality ingredients that I'm not paying for and giving it for free, I'll drink it again. Maybe your Don Julio would have been better. Yeah. Well, the funny tagline on it, at least in this particular blog or article is, it's sweet, sour, a little bitter, and salty. It's got all four taste groups, plus ice, bubbles, and alcohol. What's not to like? It's just like me. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, as always, at this point in the show, I say cheers to you, gentlemen. Yes, cheers. Hopefully, we have another good show. Cheers. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to gather, too, that I think it might be sacrilegious if you didn't use grapefruit juice, based on if you're sticking with the traditional what is a Paloma. I'm just... It seems to scream out that it is based around the grapefruit, the grapefruit juice, and tequila. Yeah. Oh, and you right. might like offend somebody if you're like, but you know, I want it with orange juice to be like, you know, the music stops in the bar. Yeah, yeah. That's a different <laughs> fucking drink. That's when you end yeah. up in, you know, a prison with the federales. That's right. Yes. That's right. You're hog tied, butt naked on the beach. So, so yeah. if you go to Mexico, know your culture. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, what'd you do? I ordered a Paloma with orange juice. Mm, rookie mistake. It was never seen from That's again. Right. All right. So let's, let's jump into our episode. So again, as I said at the beginning, this is part two. Uh, maybe there's a part three, maybe there's a part four. I really don't know. Let's see where the conversation goes. But, uh, last week we discussed, as I said, kind of the legality of marijuana decriminalization of it. We discussed what States were and were not doing it, gave a few statistics about it. And this week, I really wanted to kind of jump into, I don't know, not demystifying marijuana, but like there's people have gone to jail for possession, usage, paraphernalia. And and when we're talking about states legalizing it, decriminalizing it, and then you're looking at the number of people that are in prison because of it, it's like, I mean, is that even a rational thing? Like, should we be doing that nonviolent, nonviolent crime? Um, And then the other discussion is kind of marijuana as a schedule one narcotic, which is where I kind of really did the bulk of my research. Cause I was like, what is the issue with marijuana? Why is it a schedule one when so many other horrible fucking drugs are actually lower on the list? But that's really what I wanted to talk about this week in, in terms of continuing the conversation about the legalization of marijuana. 
And so I don't know what you guys are bringing to the table, but I'm definitely interested to, to see and hear what you guys talk about. So who would like to jump us off? Well, I think it kind of helps to maybe go back a little bit before we go forward and just kind of touch a little bit on where we left off last week, which was what we, we all agree, right, that the legalization or at bare minimum, the decriminalization of marijuana should be applicable, you know, in the U.S., if not everywhere. Right. Um, one of the main reasons I feel that way is because you're talking about a huge segment of the minority population in the U.S., something like 80 percent of the federal prison and 60 percent of the state prison system um, is drug offense of black and Latino uh, or Latinx people in the U.S. And so if you decriminalize and you wipe away or expunge that stuff and throw these people back in the society, society, they're now functioning, you know, active members in society. So twofold, they're not taking a tax on the system by being in prison. And now they're actually gainfully employed working and paying taxes into the system. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a double win, right? Um, but part of the problem I, I when, when doing my research, part of the problem I kept seeing over and over again is the discussion around how do we course correct and fix these disparaged uh, sects of communities within the U.S. that have, you know, uh, whether it's through arrests or incarceration or, you know, shootings or whatever, they've, they've been criminalized, these, these parts of, of society. And a lot of people argued that when legalizing marijuana, uh, because these part, these communities, these subset communities in the U.S. would would flourish because of their knowledge base around marijuana, and in fact, that actually hasn't happened. It's shocker. It's been major corporations, or they call them MSOs, multi-state operators, um, that have taken over. And so that's kind of where my thought process was when I did the research and kind of the rabbit holes I went down. Well, like most topics, it's easy to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I think one of the issues, and again, when we're talking about the criminality of drugs, use of drugs, and the um, penalties that are associated with it. I mean, again, what I did in terms of my research was looking up what a Schedule One narcotic was, what is defined by the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, as a Schedule One narcotic. What is what does that mean uh, when they say that? And then, why is marijuana considered a Schedule One narcotic? So in doing the research, I found out that obviously that, and, and again, you may or may not know this, under the Controlled Substance Act that was passed by the federal government, it generally is where all, you know, all the regulation of drugs falls to the Drug Enforcement Administration because of the Controlled Substance Act, and they define this, the drug schedule. And so on that drug schedule, the higher up the list you go, so five, four, three, two, one, the higher up the list you go, the, the stricter the regulations are on the, the drug itself. So I was trying to understand, okay, why, when you look at the list, so schedule one, according to the Drug Enforcement Administration, are substances or chemicals defined as drugs with no currently accepted medical use, no currently accepted medical use, and a high potential for abuse. And those schedule one drugs are currently heroin, lysergic acid, diethylamide or LSD, marijuana, uh, I'm going to butcher this one, methyl, methylene dioxamethamphetamine or ecstasy, methaquolone or quaaludes and peyote. So those drugs are considered schedule one. 
the pro now, of course, if you drop down to schedule two, these are drugs, substances or chemicals defined as drugs with a higher potential for abuse with use potentially leading to severe psychological or physical dependence. But these drugs are also considered dangerous and, and yet do hold some medical value. Okay. So schedule one has no medical value. Schedule two, we drop down has some medical value, but they are still uh, a high potential for abuse. And those are, you know, hydrocodone, Vicodin, cocaine, methamphetamine, methadone, hydromorphone, or dilaudid, uh, and the list goes on. Fentanyl, Ritalin, Adderall, Dexedrine. Marijuana being a Schedule 1, part of the problem with the DEA is that by being a Schedule 1, one of the things that does is it limits the ability for companies to do scientific trials on that particular drug. And so by, by leaving it as a Schedule 1, we're, we're saying it has no medical use, which if that's the case, why do we have medical marijuana? You know, people have done trials on it, but yet they're saying by leaving it as a schedule one, they're not allowing substantial trials to occur with it. That may lead to viable medical usage, which I think is a problem. And I'm really just trying to wrap my head around why it's considered a schedule one. Yes, it can be abused. All drugs can be politics. Right. So what is it about the politics of the situation that that um, leaves it as a schedule one. That's what I don't understand. From the research I've done, it, it appears as though it's, it's considered a poor person's drug. And so you don't want, you know, typically, I, I think, historically speaking, you, you know, it was always viewed as though is, is if poor people have more access to do this drug a lot, they're going to be lazier and lazier, and we're going to have to take more care of them. Now, we know that now, and we should have known then, that's not necessarily the case. Um, but I think that's the problem, and I think that's the stigma attached to it, which I think is changing, which is great. But I think that's the reason why. But it's ridiculous. And I'm, isn't that an outdated viewpoint, right? Sure. I mean, doesn't, doesn't science allow <laughs> for yeah, us but bro, to go, bro, hold on, hold on, hold on. But so, science says corona was bad, and we should all be wearing masks and socially distancing. And look, look, half of the population doesn't believe the science. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I mean, I think we mentioned this in the other episode as well, but you know, it's it's sort of difficult to get get your legs under you in the research realm of why it's beneficial when it's not even legal, you know. And and I don't know where that stands uh, in particular, but um, one of the things Haas mentioned, and, and you know, I'll just preface everything from here on that follows. You know, I'll probably toss out some number statistics. And give you, you know, I'm well happy to give the source, which is the Drug Policy Alliance, and they've got links to some of their sources. I'm not validating what they're saying. I'm not saying it is the definitive Bible of all statistics. Um, it's just where I, this is what I'm speaking from. If somebody's like, where the hell did he come up with that shit? Um, but I think, you know, my angle, which ties to Haas's, is, was the whole notion of just from a nation how many, what kind of resources are you putting towards just the prevention of something? And is it mattering in any way, shape or form? And, and I've seen some dated numbers. I mean, suffice it to say, I think it's over 50 billion annually that at least the United States puts towards, you know, even though the term, the war on drugs, isn't necessarily being used anymore. I think it, I think it went away under the Obama administration um, and its origin dates back to a speech Richard Nixon gave when he was president. 
um, cause he used the term war on drugs in the content in a larger speech. And that's what everybody gravitated to. And that's what kind of lack let's that became the, the really shorthand version of what, you know, with this simple three, you know, three words, we can imply a whole lot else. Um, but I was just glancing. Well, let me back um, to the tying into Haas, uh, which was the whole idea of, you know, it is a poor person's drug. And let's be honest. I mean, a lot of people that have the means and lawyers are probably going to get off on a minor offense as opposed to somebody who can't afford their own attorney, you know, um, but you're treated as a criminal as far as society is concerned from that point on, not a medical condition or an addiction. And therefore being a criminal, whether it is a misdemeanor or you cross into federal, you now have repercussions and black marks that are, and it just, I mean, it's a law, so it is what it is that follow you the remainder of your life. So if you're trying to get employed, vote, get a gun, whatever it is, you're, you're now, you now have the scarlet letter that follows you and you're probably at, at a disadvantage for the remainder of your life for something that really isn't that consequential. Um, the, the numbers that I saw, um, and again, lies, lies, statistics, right. But whatever there's source materials linked here, you know, you can see the whole pie charts where they break down is we have 1,500,000 ish, 558,862, uh, number of arrests in 2019 for drug law violations, um, with African-Americans being 26% of those arrested, even though they make up 13.4% of the population. Uh, of that, I'd say roughly a quarter was marijuana related. 545-ish thousand were marijuana arrests. And total incarceration in the United States is 2.3 million, which is a huge burden on a society. I think we have the largest incarceration rate in the world and one in five are incarcerated on a drug offense. I mean, and then if you get back to the, just what did that billions do for us? The answer is, it, I'm sure it did some good in the grand scheme. And I know there's some really good people who mean well trying to implement those policies, but the usage rate is probably just as high as it's always been. And, and we're really making no difference. And we're dumping people into the prison system that is now an economic burden on the entirety of society. I mean, that, like it, that's still how I, f I look at the whole thing. Um, it isn't, you know, it, in many respects, if you just said personal, you know, if you were kind of a, a, of a progressive mindset of like, I just don't want the government telling me what I can do with my body, which I subscribe to aspects of that for sure. It, you know, beyond that, it's just simply like the math tells you you're, you're not really doing much. Like you're not, helping the country in the grand scheme. <laughs> right. So it begs the question of you know, our taxpayer dollars are going towards something that isn't really is it, doing anything. Isn't really doing anything. So what are we doing? You know, you know? I'll throw out the conspiracy theory side of that. Is it, you know, I, I mean, I think the numbers show, and you mentioned it there, that it disproportionately targets minorities, you know, I think they said, you know, African-Americans are 3.73 times more likely than whites to be arrested for marijuana. So, you know, is, is it, you know, is it the modern era Jim Crow laws? You know, I mean, are we, you know, are they being used for something that they're really not intended for? I don't know. Well, and, and, and I know we, I think we spoke to this in the other podcast, but um, 
you know, in the United States, I think in the eighties or nineties, I forget which there was a whole issue of profiling. And it wasn't that it wasn't based on a science of like predictive modeling. Um, but a more simplistic version of that, that I heard an officer that I had, I hold in high regard, um, say you fish where the fish are. Now, if everything you're doing continues to confirm fish are there and you're never looking at any other fishing holes, then obviously you're just reinforcing it. But if you keep finding fish, you're like, I'm finding fish. Right. So simultaneous with that is in the law enforcement realm, there's kind of a mindset that like little things lead to big things. Um, kind of the and, stop and frisk, you know, if, well, you, if you catch the you, small. You stop for maybe, let's say, a speeding violation or a seatbelt or something like that. And now you maybe catch a glimpse of some paraphernalia in the view. You smell something, you get probable cause. Again, the officers in this case aren't necessarily wrong because if they find something, it now it now confirms yeah, they were, their instincts were right. G- given how the arrest goes, you've got a good fruit of the poisonous tree defense. It, you know? it, well, it, it, but the thing is, you know, it's one of those. But but I get your point. Probably and almost certainly a college kid on the other side of town doing the same shit, right? right? But it's a little bit more of like, oh, these kids are all going to be drunk coming out of downtown. It isn't mm. necessarily, I'm deliberately trying to pull this person over because I'm probably going to get something else. Because, it, you know, to that individual police officer, law enforcement officer, an arrest has been made. I want to say in good faith, and I, 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 I want to say that, and I'll just leave it at that. Legitimately, paraphernalia was discovered that met the criteria for, for an offense. So now the law is being enforced. You know, it. it right. It and and I see what you're saying. It, but. Like from that point on, the, the, the problem, I'll call it, passes into the next wickets of the legal system. And it isn't it isn't necessarily that police officer's problem anymore, unless they have to appear in court, that kind of thing. Um, and again, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to speak light of their role and the burden on the police officer in this case. I'm just saying, seeing the cost of it isn't obvious to the person who made the arrest, because as we know, with any data, you don't really see it for what it is until you aggregate it and start understanding it. Otherwise it's just information. Right. And that's where all your big dollars start translating in the prison system. Well, and I think the other issue for that is crime related to drugs and i think there are two types obviously you have the the crime with drugs such as paraphernalia possession dealing right i'm sorry did i did i miss something that good you, you did but it's not worth dwelling on okay. <laughs> no, sir. keep moving Damn it. uh because i'm trying to read sorry i should be looking but i'm trying to read the other one is is crimes committed violent crimes or crimes just in general committed for the purpose of obtaining drugs. So people commit violent crimes to get money, robberies, assaults, batteries, whatever, and then they get money and they go and get drugs. So it's like, I've got a drug problem. So I commit a crime to get more drugs. Those obviously have a different, are are in a different issue for me as opposed to drugs or crimes related to drugs. Like I'm carrying a bong in my car or, or something I'm carrying weed on me. Like that's a different type of drug or uh, crime. 
right? And I, for me, that's right. what we're talking about is just the crimes related to specifically like you're in possession of, of a certain amount of marijuana or paraphernalia related to marijuana or you were dealing marijuana, you know, not you went out and, and robbed somebody so that you could go buy drugs, right? That's a different type of crime. But let's be honest, right? That person, you know, if, if you don't have drugs available, is it going to be alcohol? Are they going to go rob somebody to buy alcohol? Right. You know, it, it, it goes back to, you know, we, we tested on the last episode, the, the addictive personality that that person is probably going to be addicted to something. And I'm speaking in very broad generalizations and I hate to do that, but you know, that, you know, they're probably going to be committing those crimes potentially anyway, no matter what, um, you know, not just because it's marijuana. I guess it's me just trying to understand, like if somebody is, is carrying a pipe or carrying marijuana, like, why are we arresting them? I get it's the law. Well, I think but if they're not literally like holding somebody at gunpoint, robbing them for their money to go get drugs, it's like when you pull that guy over. So what? He's got a pipe in his car. Why the why the fuck are we arresting him? Like that shouldn't be in any state. Give him a fine. I get that. Like it's like speeding. But come on. I mean, well, at so this point in 2021, a, what are we doing? Society's been classical. Yeah, I mean, we've been classically conditioned to believe it's it's a naughty, naughty bad thing. That's a gateway to m- much worse crimes and so let's let's nip that in the bud so to speak you know no, no pun intended but I, I i think we all agree that we now know better than that at least most people know better than that yeah and i think we've spoken to this as well which is you can unpack any individual policy to that dissect it for the different aspects that don't make sense or you can make your arguments but in the broad sense if if i'm just trying to give idealistic credit where it isn't deserved it is the belief that it is it is in the best interest of society to do the following and in terms of the fabric you create to affect that um this isn't exactly i think i mean you have jurisdictions within law enforcement so maybe that's what this is in the sense of i mean we used to say you know okay it takes a network to defeat a network you know, if the local law enforcement really they're focused on end user, maybe they've got a narcotics. So, you know, subsection of their particular law enforcement, but then you get into like FBI, DEA and more federal agencies for the large trafficking. And then end to end, that's how you're supposedly defeating this thing. Right. And now society's just better for it. But coming back full circle again, I mean, it, it's, you're fighting an uphill battle. I mean, we're spending tremendous resources and against something we believe is in the best interest of society. And it probably came from a good place, maybe. Um, but it just simply doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, it begs the question of let's just say we have no morals. We're just viewing this as a pure business investment. It isn't worth the money anymore. And then again, I come back to the a subset of this argument is and then why do I keep having the government tell me what I can do with my body? <laughs> you know, like it's in my home or like if I'm in my home and I'm not affecting anyone else, why do you care? Right. Well, what about drug education? Yeah. I mean, obviously those come, those get funded through federal or state programs because you're trying to, you're trying to educate in the attempt to reduce use. Same with tobacco and alcohol. Is it to reduce use or just yeah, to, or to increase the intelligence of the, you know, do it intelligently? I, I think this comes both? back to the, right. like, like we talked about, joked with the comedian Taylor Thomason. It's like, 
okay, do I need somebody who's never touched a drug in their life teaching me about drugs? No. <laughs> Hell no. Or I, I want or Cheech Marin. Can we all me about go drugs? Yeah. into the into the <laughs> basketball, you know, whatever? And have a person who's like missing an arm and half their mouth from cancer who's like, I did drugs and you shouldn't, right. you know, like, every kid's like, oh, my God. I mean, and, and we've See, talked I, about this. I want Hunter S. Thompson teaching me about drugs personally. Well, again, we talked about this in the parenting episode. Like if you tell a kid they can't do it and then you walk away, they're going to try to do some whatever it is you're telling them not to do with drugs. I mean, it's like with sex. We were... We had sex education in school, and they always said abstinence is the best policy. How many of us abstain from having sex? <laughs> right? And I was just like, well, well, you can how- say don't do drugs. I Don't tell me not to do drugs. Right. Just explain it's to me. It, right? Right. Yeah. Ex- explain stuff? to me the outcome of doing drugs. Make, just educate spin-off. me. Yeah, and how much of this stuff is basically a spinoff of the belief that your own home isn't or is, you know, and they're not wrong in all cases, but they, it, it isn't going to educate you on these things. And so as with any mass program, you cater, cater to the lowest common denominator, which assumes like the kids sleeping on the street and nobody ever tells them what to do. So therefore, this is the only place they will ever hear about any of this. Right. Well, and I mean, you look at my situation, I mean, my parents probably told me, don't, you know, don't do drugs, don't smoke marijuana. Nobody said, hey, don't huff Freon out of the fucking air conditioning unit, right? They didn't think they had to. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say there are, there are some things that I think are just no brainers. Well, uh, you know what I'm saying? Again, for lack of a better term. <laughs> no, nobody told me that, right? But they didn't think, well, we should tell them don't huff yeah. Freon out of you an know, air conditioning unit. I, do I need to tell you don't get kicked in the nuts by a, by a horse? Right. I mean, there, there are some things that I feel like are just obvious. Well, I, of course. But, but my, point being, <laughs> my point being, when somebody is standing in the room with you going, hey, you should try this. And you're like, okay, why not? They're like, I've done it before. Well, you're perfectly fine. So I'll try it. I'll be perfectly fine. Do we go out to your van to do this? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> is there free candy? Come on. <laughs> there, there's, there could be some candy. All I'm saying is it, part of that, I think, is the education. My parents were not drug users. They couldn't really educate me on, hey, don't do drugs. But I could literally look at my kids and go, hey, doing drugs, this is what happens. And I knew it because it happened to me. Right. So, I mean, I could, I could relay that and Grinch kind of what you're saying. Like you don't want somebody who has never done drugs telling you not to do drugs. What the fuck do they know? Mm. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and certainly for years I subscribed to that, that viewpoint. It, it, I was, as Haas said, conditioned to believe it was just, you were not a good person. And it doesn't hurt that I really had a very dim view of hippies and still do. Because obviously, you know, you you tend to connect it with the whole hippie generation of the 70s because that's where the war on drugs kicked off. And that's where you have all these like stock footage of the, you know, people smoking, you know, over that look like me, I see, what you know, saying. in San Francisco, yes. I, we're profiling. It, yeah, it's one of those. It's like it's not that I don't have an understanding of kind of where we started and how we got here. I think what we're collectively trying to say is it's time to have the next conversation because shit's changed. Right. After the next evolution. Yeah. It's like we've talked about on a few episodes throughout the history of doing this. Like we always relay, uh, relate, you know, the constitution is supposed to be a living, breathing document, right? It should be changing with the times. And I think this thought process needs to do the same thing. Maybe it's not written down on paper. It's not in the constitution, but you know, in terms of the evolution of standards, I think at some point it should change 
and be like, hey, no, we're not saying heroin, bad, fine, I get it. But when we're talking about marijuana, it's like, even if you're not going to completely legalize it, Haas, like you said, like just decriminalize it, take it off of schedule one, move it down the list and schedule, and then allow more trials to occur from a medical standpoint, do more research, you know, loosen the restrictions so that those things can occur. Well, and that's the thing. At, at the, you know, I'm reading this article from the Washington Post. At the end of 2016, 47.5% of prisoners at the federal level were serving a sentence for some sort of, you know, drug-related charge. Now, obviously, you know, they're, you know, it, it's a very broad drug drug-related charge. So some of those people truly should be there. But even if you take that and you look at say 25 to 30% are probably just there for simple possession, you know. Grinch, you mentioned it, the, the financial strain on the economy of, of supporting those people in prison is it's got to be astronomical. You know, and why not? And they're, they're not hardened criminals, right? There's a difference between for between possession for consumption and possession for distribution, in my mind. And if you're moving a thousand pounds, fine, yes. I get well, it. If you get picked up with just enough about- to get high that night, let's make make a, you know, a rational choice and say, you know what, you're not trying, you know, you're not Pablo Escobar. Yeah. It, well, it, what, what, what's sad is you're, you're taking a parent, you're taking a spouse out of the home and now you're creating a more stressful situation within a home space. That's probably already stressful to begin with, you know, and that's, that's part of the disparaging part that, that has occurred to, to these communities, unfortunately. Right. Well, Cause it, you're, you're taking somebody who's not a hardened criminal, sticking them in the federal prison system. Guess what they are when they get out is yeah, they're, they're a hardened, hardened fucking criminal. criminal. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think part of the problem is in Grinch, you may be able to touch on this a little bit too, is that, you know, I, I think the police at that level need to be given the ability to make a decision. You know, right now they're just simply trying to enforce the law, you know, so it's, you know, they're doing their job, right? You know, the law says this, but you know what? Give them the ability to use their best judgment and say, you know what, you know, this kid clearly is not, you know, trying to distribute, you know, or traffic drugs, you know, he's going to a party tonight and yes, I'm going to give him a fine for it because, you know, he shouldn't have it or, or, you know, he's under the influence, but you know, it it can't be black and white. There has to be some level of gray to it. It, Yeah. And some of the parallels I think about is, I mean, if you look, I I think I'm correct in saying, and I'm sure somebody can tell me I'm wrong here. Ultimately alcohol became legal because people just said they fucking wanted it and they kept doing it. It wasn't because it suddenly passed medical muster, you know, it, it just, it was such, it was in such demand. They were never stopping it. It kept right. going and people in power were still getting access to it anyway. Yep. You know, so. so it, then, it actually made it safer and healthier to legalize it because the shit that was being made was like. It's not still in yeah. the middle of Kentucky. So, so then. And they realized they could tax it. The, like the laws that followed were if you are creating a situation, putting somebody else at risk, hence your DUI. Because sure. you are now, you you know, you are not able to operate a vehicle that can kill someone at at the you know the legal capacity. Um, now you could say public intoxication is a funny one because you're just drunk and making an ass out of yourself, and I think it's kind of a way of of society being able to go, "Hey, fuckhead, control your alcohol," because you just 
got in a fight, stumbled into the road, made an ass out of yourself. And we need some kind of economic way of making you pay for that. You know, it's, it's a funny law if you think about it in a way, and I'm not disagreeing with it. I'm kind of okay with it. If you're that much of an idiot, fuck it, pay. Um, but then I come back, you know, then I walk that over to marijuana and I'm like, so what part of it harms anybody else? You're actually doing more damage. Like I said, by taking somebody who is, working or as a parent and i got i mean we got all kinds of shitty parents we got some shitty parents that don't drink at all right but you're now taking them and putting them into into the prison system and like we said forever marking them and i got law, the laws like it's their fault not technically well, wrong and, and, However, and, you know <laughs> and thor brought up a good point you know they may go in as a simple you know guy who's you know smoking dope on the weekends and, and they're probably coming out you know a little bit more hard than that because you know I've never been to prison, thank God, but, you know, I got to imagine it's not a good experience and it probably jades you. Recidivism exists for a fucking yes. reason. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. It, it does. It, yeah. Cause when you, when you, and again, I mean, the law and society would say due to your own fault, but when you are put in a position where your options begin to diminish, you get more desperate and you're going to have, you, you're going to do what you got to do whether you end up homeless, whether you end up robbing something, or maybe you do land a job because somebody's going to give you a second chance and that's awesome, but you're automatically on the back foot and it isn't easy to get over that. All right. And we are back. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, for me, the importance of this topic is, is a, a reflection for me was obviously you guys know, like my history had an issue as a teenager. And so in having kids, I kind of, kind of, I tried to ingrain that in my kids, like, don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. Nearly killed me. But it wasn't the drug that killed me. It was my own stupidity at the end of the day. It's there regardless. Uh, well, I was going to say, the, the <laughs> my drug, stupidity or the, the drug, drug played a part yes. in it. <laughs> yeah, the drug didn't help. Uh, and so for a lot of years, I was just like, don't do drugs. I mean, it's don't do it. And I, I got to a point where I was like, what am I doing? Like, really, I think it, it comes down to education, like educating the kids so that they understand the ramifications of their choices, as I think as a parent, as we do with all things when it comes to our kids. Grinch, you said it, right? Educate them. Explain to them why you're, you're taking a specific stance so that they understand. Telling them just no, don't do it is not the answer because we see what that leads to. I don't know. Am I better or worse for that? I mean, Grinch, you, you've never had a drug problem to my knowledge, right? So when you're telling your kids, not to your knowledge, not to my knowledge, <laughs> full, full disclosure, but you man, said it yourself, check, you know? right? You said it yourself. So, so when you talk to your kids, do you think they look at you going, <laughs> was, now, if you had sat up with shit on your nose, that'd have been, I know, been awesome. The, God damn, that'd have been awesome. No, but do you think your kids look at you with that own belief? Like you said, like, uh -huh. Like the comedian saying, like, my dad's never done anything. What the fuck? You know, well, like, do they look I, at you like, dad, what do you really know? Yeah, I mean, it, I think you actually said this. Um, was it good or bad? If it was bad, or, I didn't say Which it. was, you know, it's not that I'm pro-offering everything that I've ever done, every transgression. But I don't plan to lie. Like, mm -hmm. I think that does us all a disservice. So, it. Yeah, we haven't like sat down and it's like, well, let me give you a narrative, you know, play by play of everything I've ever done wrong and talk about the I mean, that's just living like you got to live at some point in your own and learn your lessons. Um, so, no, it's more you address it kind of as you think you're near 
near the issue or if the question just comes up, you talk about it. Um, in our case, you know, I, and I also think all our parents would agree. And I think we now can say it like you get a parental sense. You get that spider sense, you know, and it's not that we don't miss stuff that's right in front of us that that happens. But um, but yeah, I mean, we've had conversations about uh, other kids that the, the girls know or things that they've seen. And it's just one of those. <clears throat> we don't instantly go to you stay away from them. You know, it isn't that it is. Oh, that's interesting. You know, and then I kind of do a little unpacking of, you know, the parents, if I know them and that kind of thing, just trying to get a sense of maybe what's going on um, to understand it first, seek to understand first, then comment, you know, <laughs> instead of always doing a hot take. Um, and, I, you know, to my knowledge, they haven't touched anything. Um, you know, the alcohol we don't have a problem with in the house. Like if we're having a margarita and they've never had one trying it, that kind of thing. That's what is I was going to ask. That, I was going to say, is that because you don't keep it around long enough? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they can't do anything with any. it. <laughs> yeah. you, you want any of this? Is I'm down. You, you yeah. better get it now. That's yeah. right. He doesn't have to worry about them breaking into the no, liquor cabinet. I, it's generally no, empty. I know. It's, I, I get what you're Daddy's saying. Going on we're the yeah. same way here. Yeah, it's just the, those, it's demystifying. Like you said, you, yeah, you demystify it. You you have a mature conversation. You you hopefully put a few lessons learned and tools in their tool bag that they can draw from later. And then it, it, at some point, they are going to be their own person. And they may not divulge everything they've ever seen. I don't expect that they've ever walked in and been like, here's everything I feel guilty about. You know, I don't think that happens either because um, it's a two-way street. But I, I'm always grateful when they know something can come up and we can talk about it and they don't expect any kind of rash reaction. Yeah, that's the comfortability of the situation that you can have that conversation. Yeah. And they're you, not going to get punished and, you know. Yeah, which you create in your own household. Right. Yeah. Which is funny. You say that. I've, I can't tell you how many times my kids were like, they would lie because they're like, I knew what your reaction would be. I'm like, no, you didn't because I didn't have it. Like you didn't allow me to have it because you lied. So we'll never know. You think it's going to be one way, but and now I mean, I'm mad about that. Right. right. <laughs> You're grounded for the rest right. of your life. <laughs> I'm mad because you lied and I'm mad because you didn't let me have a genuine reaction to the truth. Um, yeah. But again, with drugs, I think for me personally, and, and you guys can weigh in however you want, I think it was because of my history, I kind of railed against using drugs with my, especially with my kids. Like, don't do this. It's bad. Funny. I, I didn't sit there and tell them like, don't have sex. You know, like mm -hmm. I didn't feel the need to do that. But when it came to drugs, I was like, don't do drugs. Cause I, and I think for me, it wasn't that the drug use was bad. I never wanted to be my parents. I never wanted to walk in and find my kid face down on a bathroom floor. Like I can't imagine what my parents have gone through. And we've, we've talked about it over the years. I mean, 1993 is when it occurred, right? So we have had that discussion, but I still will never understand what it was like to walk in their shoes on May 13th of 1993 at five o'clock in the afternoon, opening the door and finding me face down, not breathing, you know, I, I will never know what that's like. And I just knew I never wanted to experience that with my kids, which I think is why I told them don't do drugs because I was just afraid. Like if that happened, that was what I was going to experience. And I couldn't imagine what that was like. So I think as I've gotten older, gotten a little more intelligent, I'm like, Grinch, like you said, who are they really hurting? Like they're not going out. They're not robbing and stealing and thieving and, you know, murdering to get drugs. And it's like, look, if you're sitting in your house and you're, and you're smoking a joint, 
fine. That's fine. You know? So I don't know. I think that's personally for me where I'm at. I don't know how you guys feel about your particular situations, but I just think at this point we need to evolve as a society when it comes to, especially to like marijuana. And and I mean, you know, I think we're getting a little off the the original topic, but I mean, you know, right. (laughs) That never happens. Um, It's, it's preparing them to make their own decisions because guess what? They're not going to live with you forever. Thank God. So they're going to be out and they're going to be able to make those decisions themselves. It's, it's preparing them to make, you know, make smart choices. Right. Uh, whatever that may be. Yeah. And that's actually, uh, that's right in the same vein of what I was going to touch on Mac, which is for me personally, I'm more concerned with what is the other information surrounding the decision? Like, who are you with? Were you getting ready to drive? Like, these are the things I want them thinking through is second and third order effects or thinking through in time or having the, this, you know, common sense, street smart, savviness, awareness, whatever term you want to use to go, something's not right about this. Like, I mean, right. this, this dude's sketch, I don't know where he got that crap from. You know, I know this cat's got a reputation. Like, those are the things that should back end a decision. Cause simultaneously, like, I don't want them scared of life either. Like get to know yourself, you know, figure out who you are. And along that way, that may include deciding heroin, marijuana. Oh, marijuana. Sorry. <laughs> Not heroin. Marijuana. Yeah, this know, went really south. Sorry. Yeah. Cause like, like we said, I mean, as of now, there are still places where drugs have consequences and it's no different in some respects from what we talked about of like, Maybe you want to drive 110 to work every day. Maybe you want a tattoo on your face. Maybe you decide you want to dye your hair bright, whatever, and you're going to go be a doctor. You know, like you can, there's a way to be you and gel in with society and legality and so forth. And then there's just, I'm spitefully fighting against the machine and I'm raging every day. And it's like, well, how's that working out for you? Right. I mean, if you if, if they can look at you and go, I really want to try marijuana, well, then you have to understand the consequences. You don't live in a state where it's legal. It has criminal consequences. And you have to understand that. And yeah, until which means the, if you have a job where you screw up on the job and you have to go get a piss test, you could get in trouble. Right. When I was a manager uh, for a restaurant, I actually had an employee get hurt. He fell down. And uh, our work comp situation was you did have to piss. And so this was on a Friday. He went through the weekend. He came in on Monday and he was like, my back's killing me. And I mean, I saw him fall and I asked, I'm like, do you want to write this up? And he said, no. Well, unfortunately on Monday, he was like, I need to go to the doctor. I'm like, okay, you got to piss in a fucking cup. I mean, that's just the work policy uh, of the company. All, all of a sudden it feels better. <laughs> well, and, and so he did it. He was like, I'm going to go do it. I was like, okay. And he did it. He, he had drugs in his system when he pissed, he knew he was going to. And we fired him and he was, I mean, he was furious and was like, but you knew the consequences. Like if you want to cover this under workers comp, you knew you had to piss in a cup. Obviously you knew it was going to come back positive. I don't know. Maybe if he spent the weekend, like trying to clean out his system or what he tried to do, but when he came in on money, he's like, my back's killing me. I got to go to the doctor. And he goes, I want to write this up. I was like, fine, but you understand. I I knew he had done stuff. I mean, he was open about it. I mean, he wasn't the type of guy that hit it. And it was like, you just know if this comes back and you get popped, we're going to have to fire you. And that's what ended up happening. And he was fucking furious. And it's like, sorry, bro. I tried to tell you. So, yeah. 
Yeah, you're like, I'm not legal counsel. No. You, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm giving you the. I'm educating you. What's going to happen here. Right. They're going to ask for and, this. And I think we can agree. The point of that is, is that we, we believe we, we should be at the next evolution of, of where we're at with this, where that shouldn't be the issue. As long as you can prove the employee wasn't, you know, in an altered mental state or physical at state the time. while, while, gain, while employed or while, while, while in the functions of their employment, it should be a non-issue. It should be a moot point. I mean, it would just be like being drunk, right? You yeah, can't exactly. show up to work drunk. Yeah. Exactly. Right. You, know, you don't I mean, show up all, to work high. But right. For case, all I know, he went home over the weekend, his back was bothering him, and he smoked a joint to alleviate yeah. the pain. I don't know. Yeah. And in this case, when you're in the corporate world, these are corporate policies. Yes. It's no different than the police officers. Like, well, I have my guidance. I, it's actually on me. Should I choose to overlook it or make that judgment call? Should right. it ever come? Did you have to be prepared for the consequences to come along with that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it for like, in for example, you know, when I was in the army, you know, we have by the end of the year, you do a hundred percent year analysis. And I had, I didn't have a lot, thankfully, but I had soldiers that would, you know, we called it pissing hot. And I bring them in. I'm like, it's not personal. It's business. It is what it, there is no masking the fact that you have tested positive for this substance. Therefore, I now go through my flow chart of what happens next, which is UCMJ, which is most likely you're going to be chaptered out. Right. It's all laid out in front of you. Other than honorable conditions. And therefore, you have now put things like your GI Bill and some other things at risk. I'm like, I didn't do this to you. No, you Uh, knew the consequences. You know, you knew going into it that if you if you did this. There's nobody to blame but yourself. Yeah. And being on the authoritative side of this issue, I told every soldier I had, I said, if you're ever standing across from my desk, it isn't because of anything I did. Like day to day, because of what you I did, didn't, I didn't have a lot of soldiers that that ever happened to. And I'm grateful for that because you because it only applies if you're in a command position, meaning a company commander or a battalion like commander has to follow your name because that that. You, you derive your UCMJ authority from being in that particular position. So like as a platoon leader, if I had a soldier that that happened to, it wouldn't be me making the decision. It goes up the chain. It goes to the company commander and it right. just rolls up. And that's why I told him, I said, it will not be because of anything I've done. You know, everybody knows the rules. Like if you get a DUI, you're out. You're out. That's the current army policy. So let me ask this hypothetical. Let's say like tomorrow, federally, they go, oh, marijuana, completely legal across the board. All 50 states and any territories uh, uh, is legal. At some point, if somebody go, well, can we make heroin legal? Why isn't heroin legal? Let's make heroin legal, right? I mean, is that is that another reason where they 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 are hesitant to do these things? Because then the next... You know, what's the next thing to come down the line that somebody's going to make the argument? Well, we should legalize this. We should decriminalize that. Well, but let's, let's, it, let's stop and think about this. I mean, for as long as I, or at least for the last 25, 30 years or so, we know individuals, either ourselves personally or family members or close friends who have thought that marijuana should be legal, right? For many, many years. I don't know anybody who has said, you know, diligently and vehemently that, you know, uh, heroin should be legal or cocaine should be legal. I think we know better. We know that crystal meth is bad. We know that heroin is inherently bad. We know that even though cocaine was once a medicine and in a, with the world's most popular beverage, um, is inherently not good. Um, nobody, I think, look, studies show that it's what, like 64% of the U.S. population said that marijuana should be legal. So people, people get it. After all these years, people finally get it. 
Whereas with the other drugs, you, you know, I think people know. I think people know. Well, and I think, I mean, I think it's a very fair question. Um, and I guess if I were, if I were just, just standing on the goal line, preventing things from crossing, I would say, then make your case. I feel like a case has been made for marijuana. So you're saying if somebody made a case for heroin, you would be like, I'll listen. In terms of the pros, cons, the detriment to to society, how it, how it affects you, the health risks. You know, I look at cigarettes and some other things and not that I want to use another bad to get another bad across the line, but it's one of those. I'm like, I have now heard enough to where I'm ready to render judgment and say, I no longer think it is in the, in our best interest to prevent it. And it should cross the line. Now, let's say peyote comes walking up next in line, and I'm like, "Whoa, slow!" All right, buddy, you, you got to start talking because I don't understand. <laughs> you know? And peyote's going to go, "Hey, I, welcome to the party, peyote." You know, yeah, peyote's going to go. All the all the yogis are all on board because you'll have the best yoga session of your life or something. I don't know. <laughs> peyote will be like, "Have you not seen Young Guns?" <laughs> right? <laughs> You're like, you make a fair point. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> well, and it becomes a question of you know again. If you're willing, you know, it's your body. You're willing to do whatever you want to do with it. You know, if you're not harming anybody else, who am I to say that you can't do cocaine? Well, you know, now here we go. (laughs) And I see Grinch going, well, no, if you can't hear my cat, where did we just go with this? Thor is going bananas to the whole house that he's lonely. So that's what's going on. Um, You know, if you want to do cocaine, hey, that's on you. But, you know, and I, and I know where the, the flip side of that comes in is, well, then it becomes a drain on society. Well, maybe, it, you know, it becomes a thing where, you know what, if you test positive for cocaine, you can't get your welfare check. You know, you can't get government assistance. You know, you are truly on your own at that point. Or not unlike workers comp. If you get your health insurance, you you have there. Now, this is this is financial shit kicking in you have to acknowledge the things you're doing that can drive up your health costs. Oh, like anybody's Should, honest on any of that. I shit. know that. I know that. <laughs> but let's say this is where, this is where like your corporate, just the money talks kicks in. Right. If you say, no, I don't touch it. And you go in for a heart attack and then you have like cocaine in your screen and the doctor's like, Holy shit. No wonder you had a heart attack. Hmm. Yeah. Well, your insurance is probably not going to cover it. Right. That reminds me of Scrubs where the ego, Dr. Kelso comes in and he's like, have you ever done drugs? And the kid's like, nope, never done them. He goes, really? Because this shot we're about to give you you will kill you. you Yes, sir. Done drugs all the time, every day, (laughs) all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and, you know, and I remember, uh, you know, BH used to make the case of why do I have to wear a seatbelt? He's like, why can't I just have an option on my insurance? Did I say, I don't want to wear one. It is what it is. I, you know, I don't think he really cares that much anymore. I mean, no, but, but the point all, is the a valid point or a helmet, you know, a motorcycle. It, it's one of those, like, there are some things that have financial applications. Now you choose to kill yourself because you don't want to wear one. Who am I to tell you otherwise? But I'm not right. paying. That means, that means you don't qualify for, for AD and D insurance. You don't qualify for. Yeah. 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 I mean, money talks. Yeah, it does. At uh, the end of the day, you can usually get society in line by simple financial consequence <laughs> if they're smart yeah. enough to pay attention to it. You know, it's not that anybody hasn't ever done something dumb and they're like, oh, my God, I didn't realize. But it's it's back to what we try to instill in people. It's 
if we want, if we're going to empower you and treat you like a mature adult, then the repercussion side might actually get like that slope might get steeper. Right. So then it's simple. You say, Hey, we're going to legalize marijuana. If you're a business, marijuana is legal in the state, but from an insurance perspective, if you do something that harms you, we're going to require a test. Our company doesn't recognize the legality yeah, of absolutely. it. And so you understand you'll forfeit your benefits. And then you allow that person to make the choice. Do yep. I want to do it or not? Look, and, and, and from the, every job's a little bit different, right? I mean, you know, I sit behind a computer all day. You know, if, if I make a mistake, it's probably not really going to hurt anybody. But you know what? If my doctor's high when he's performing open heart surgery, that may not end well for me. So, you know, again, I think, you know, you have to kind of weigh the consequences of what you're doing. And again, not to say that I would go to work high, but, you know. I mean, it would be the same if somebody's an adrenaline junkie, right? If you're out skydiving or, you know, bungee cord jumping or. Your health you insurance, know, your uh, life insurance is through yeah, the roof. Probably. It's just going to go up. Yeah. You know, you're going to pay a higher premium. And to me, I'm okay with that. In, yeah. in many respects, because that's pure economics. And if a insurance company says we flat out do not agree with with providing insurance, you know, I'm sure there's all kinds of legalese that are going to affect what they can flat out say. But like it's like we talked about with Chick-fil-A or Hobby Lobby and some of these other big companies like they they have stances on issues. Yeah. OK. Even if they're wrong. You know, even if, in my opinion, they're wrong, they, yeah. it's their company. Yeah. Look, at the end of it, my opinion, you're wrong on their opinion. Yeah. But damn it, you'd love to get a Chick-fil-A sandwich on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, At the end of the day, look, I mean, I've, as always, I enjoy the topics no matter how it falls out. It didn't seem like it was much of a debate. I think we all agree. Haas, you said it right at the beginning, like decriminalization at the bare minimum is what needs to occur. We understand that there's a, a, you know, the criminal aspect of using drugs, uh, crimes related to drugs, you know, I wanted to say this in the moment. I can't remember which one of you said it. Uh, if a cop pulls you over, allowing them to use their best judgment. Mac, I think it was you. Allow the cop to make their best judgment, right? If you've got paraphernalia or you've got like a small amount for just personal recreational consumption of marijuana, like I think the problem you get into there was when you say they should be allowed to use their own judgment. I would well, almost 100% guarantee the cop kneeling on George Floyd's throat would say he used yeah, his best judgment. Say, your yeah, judgment's going to be different than my judgment's going to be different than Grinch's mm-hmm. judgment. What if they're having a bad day? Right, judgment. and if you open yeah. that can you know, of worms. there's the whole kicking the dog syndrome. Right, no, once you uncork that, you don't put, right. you just can't fix it. So no, I, think I get it's, it, I get it. You know, um, but I think we all agree at some point the evolution of society needs to just move along and say, look, like for this, we're just talking about marijuana. We're not talking about uh, you know, heroin, quaaludes, LSD, we're saying marijuana, cannabis, the evolution of society should say, look, this is not a schedule one narcotic. Let's move it off that list, move it into a lower category, allow more testing to be done, reduce the, the criminal charges related to it. If whatever it is, 25% uh, of criminals and cur- currently in prison for drug related, like examine those and go, look, should they be there? They're nonviolent offenders. And, and let's kind of just move society along, you know, yes, you will probably have people come up. Maybe it's not heroin, but somebody will come out and say, well, this drug, what about this drug? Well, yeah, yeah. There's always going to be somebody pushing the limits. Right. And, you know, Hey, you know what? It's been a long time. There's, there have been studies done on marijuana. They've made the decision that there are medical uses for it. There are other uses for it. 
15 years from now, we don't know what they may say about heroin. That's true. Uh, but like Grinch I said, mean, we don't if, know unless it, they study it. Right. And Grinch said, if you make the argument and then you pitch it, I'll listen. And that's right. at least what they should do. They should come to the table and go, okay, we'll listen. We may say no, but at least be open to the conversation. Yeah. And I, I was just going to say real quick, um, and Haas may know this term. It's a Latin term. You basically, like a lawyer, will take an issue to the absurd to to make the case of why you should give point. an inch. Yeah. yeah, and and to that argument, I would say that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about legalizing all drugs. We're talking about this drug, not the what if. Well, if we do this, we no, 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 no. That is not what is on the table. What right. is on the table is this. It has a left and right limit. It does not in any Everything way, else. form, provide the next legal hurdle. Everything else is of, tomorrow's problem. Right. We'll that deal is with a it later. separate argument to be made on its own. Yes. Basis. Right. Not one precedes the other mm-hmm. in the sense of like it just opens the floodgates. It's reduction of absurdity of re. Tuction to absurdity. <laughs> I knew I was like, is he asking me to come up with this because he knows yeah, I've been drinking? I know there's a Latin now, phrase. Now say it in Latin. Um, <laughs> it's like suckus uh, dickus. Yeah, re- 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 reducio <laughs> ad absurdum. Look at you pull that you off, no problem. Up. <laughs> no, I don't. I, think it's a term from Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and with that, and with that, we will. The definition there. of that, by the way, which I know this will get edited out, is no, it's not. But it is no. Haas is right. Reductio no. ad absurdum. But it yes. is characterizing an opposing argument in such a way that it seems to be ridiculous, or the consequences of the position seem ridiculous. Now, yeah. when you said Harry Potter, all I think is I don't. I don't remember the spell. Something Patrona. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, does that give me Patron? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and 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 with that, we're going to end this conversation because I think we're going downhill. I'm starting to feel the effects of a number of things. So, uh, yeah. So, legalize, decriminalize, whatever your stance is on marijuana. Obviously, again, as I said, the evolution just of society. Just go try it. Yeah, and just needs. Let's move the let's move the conversation forward. I mean, it's getting ridiculous at the federal. Well, level. Help decriminalize a couple subsects of society and, and start making some, you know course corrections and the disparities yeah yeah what he said um wait uh, i'm gonna have to go back and look at that when i edit it what did you say absurdity fuck i can't remember (laughs) i have to i'm gonna i'll I'll hear it when i when i edit so that's fine you have Uh, fun with that you can bleep it out for me thanks yes i won't as always gentlemen thank you for your perspective i do appreciate y'all being here week in and week out uh this was another good one i say we wrap it up here there's no need for a part three we've covered what we needed to cover Let's go ahead and legalize marijuana and be done with it so the four of us can get together and get high as fuck and just we'll, we'll call it a day. Uh, I mean, yeah, because, you know, if you're not getting a job with the government, what the that's fuck right. do you have to worry that's about? Right. The man's uh, oh, just trying to keep me down. Keep me. That's it. That's it. Uh, so as always, thank you, gentlemen. I do appreciate it. If nobody has any final thoughts, we will leave it there and we will see everybody on the other side. As we wrap things up here, we invite all of our listeners to join the debate by dropping us a line at spirituddebates at gmail.com. You can send in topics you'd like us to debate, drink recipes you'd like us to try, or just general feedback on how to make the show better. And don't forget, you can always follow us on Instagram or Facebook at A Spirited Debate or on Twitter at Spirited Debates. Feel free to press follow, like, subscribe, whatever the fuck you got to do. And if you don't, as I said at the beginning, we're just happy that you're here listening and we hope that you continue. Until next time, yeah. we'd like to say Roast Empire. Salute to Why?
<laughs> Cheers, gentlemen. Thank you very much. <laughs>